I came across a story this past week. A pilot of a combat helicopter in Vietnam. He was radioed into a secret mission. He had to fly blind, totally in the dark. There he was over the canopy of the jungle, thick clouds. He said the darkness was so thick you could cut it with a knife. Have you ever been in darkness that thick? All he had were the instruments in his cockpit to direct him and, and show him the course to where he would land. The landing zone that he was supposed to find that night was a postage stamp that was carved into the jungle canopy. If he were to have an error five feet in any direction, it would mean a crash and certain failure for the mission. He radioed to the man on the ground and he said, I need something. Can you give me something? Something to mark visibly where the landing strip is. His man on the ground radioed back, I have nothing. He was searching for something. He was checking his pockets. He was looking around. And finally he found, he radioed back, I have a Zippo lighter. The pilot radioed back, light the lighter and hold it up. So in the middle of the southeast Asian jungle, his man on the ground lit the Zippo lighter in the middle of the jungle in the darkness and that pilot landed that combat helicopter to the piercing light of the Zippo lighter and the mission continued on. I don't know if you've ever experienced such thick darkness as our community is experiencing now. Today I want to talk about light in the darkness. You realize in these dark times, in the midst of this thick, blinding, heavy darkness, there is still light. Jesus is the light. So would you turn with me to the Gospel of John if you're not already there? You can find it on your device. You can turn your Bible to the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, we're in the Gospel of John and we'll look at chapter 1, the first number of verses. John was a disciple of Jesus, one of the youngest disciples, and he's in what we would call the inner circle. Peter, James, and John were invited to see more of Jesus than the other disciples. They were invited to see Jairus' daughter be raised from the dead. They were invited to see Jesus transfigured on the mount when his clothes were dazzling white and he shone like the sun. They were invited into the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus prayed and his sweat became as great drops of blood in agony the night before he would be crucified. And then we see the Lord's table, the final Passover meal that they enjoyed together. You've seen the painting. John is the disciple who's embracing Jesus, hugging Jesus, holding tight to Jesus, resting his head on his shoulder. It's quite probable that John was Jesus' best friend. Possibly John was even related to Jesus. We see John standing with Jesus' mother Mary as Jesus is crucified on the cross. And Jesus calls out to his mother and says, Behold your son, giving the care of his mother into the disciple John. And then John was the first one to enter the tomb and see that it was empty on resurrection Sunday morning. And then John was there as Jesus ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives. John cared for Jesus' mother Mary for 15 years 
until her death. And now Jesus was gone. John says in chapter 1, poetic language that ties back to the creation account in Genesis 1. It begins with, in the beginning. John takes us back to the start. And this poetic language is almost like a fitting eulogy for Jesus' divine ministry here on earth. Jesus was gone. John had lost his best friend. And John chose to sat with Jesus' mother in her grief and pain and walk through that with her for the rest of her life. Do you ever wish you could go back? I've heard a few comments this past week. If we could just go back to Friday before tragedy struck, if we could just go back to February before economic collapse, if we could just go back to January before we even knew the term COVID-19 or social distancing was ever a thing, if we could just go back to a simpler time when things were more innocent and when the tragedy that struck last Sunday was something we hear about on the other side of the world but not here at home, do you ever wish you could go back? Would you look at me to John chapter 1 and verse 1? Could we begin reading there? It says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. You know, the Word is a title for Jesus. Jesus is the Word. God spoke creation into existence. The message that God gives to humanity is Jesus. Jesus is the word. You want to summarize the Bible in one name? It's this, Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's message to humanity in flesh. Hebrews 1 tells us that in the past, in the days of our fathers, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But in these last days and today, God speaks to us through his son. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the message that God has for humanity. Jesus is God. Jesus is not just a good man. He was not just a good prophet. He was not just like God. Jesus is God. One of the fundamental beliefs of our church in Christianity is in one God and he is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And because Jesus is God, he is the creator and the sustainer of all of creation. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 says, all things were created through him and for him. John takes us back to the start. Do you realize that God's plan for humanity has always been to take us back to the start? God's plan of redemption, that term literally means to buy us back, to bring us back to a time when it was good and perfect, when there was no sin and shame and destruction and violence and evil. God's plan has always been to bring us back. God created a perfect world without evil, without sin, without suffering. Evil does not come from God. God did not originate or initiate evil. Evil comes from the devil, that serpent that was in the garden who tempted Adam and Eve. Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, and then Adam ate of the forbidden fruit. And because of their disobedience against God's only command in the garden, evil entered the world, and death and pain and grief along with it. 
the devil initiated evil. Do you know Adam and Eve's first response when they realized what they had done was to run and hide in shame and embarrassment. They tried to cover themselves. And when God came to the garden in the cool of the day to walk with mankind, that was their experience. God called out to them and God invited them back. Just like today, God is calling out to us and inviting us back to himself. And because of their fear, because of their embarrassment and shame, they remained hidden. And when God found them, before he sent them out of the garden as a punishment for their sin, he killed the lamb and clothed them with the skin of, his, of the lamb. We see a picture of Jesus Christ. We see a picture of the sacrifice to cover our sin and the darkness that's in our own lives. You know, you don't need to be a Christian to understand that there is good and there is evil in this world. Now more than ever, we are aware of the effect of evil right here at home. We've heard the statement, if it can happen here, it can happen anywhere. There is good and evil in this world. God designed us with a conscience. God designed us with a moral compass to understand good and to understand evil. Look at John chapter 1 and verse 4. In him, Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. The life was the light of men. Do you realize Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 is the account of how God formed mankind? God made mankind in his image, in his likeness. He formed them out of the dust of the earth. And then God breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of man and he became a living and moving being. I think about this correlation between God's word, the word of God, and the breath of God. The light of God's word and the life of God's breath. Jesus is the light of the world. He's also the life of that we have light giving life god initiated life remember back to science class maybe you don't i didn't light is energy it's composed of energy those straight waves of light are in fact energy light gives life i'm not just talking about vitamin d and sunshine if you were to remove the sun we would have no life life would cease as we know it because light is life. Jesus is the light of the world and he gives us life. When he brought creation into existence, it wasn't just this physical material that we see around us, but it was the consciousness. It was the animation. It was the movement. It was the immaterial life that Jesus breathed into creation. John chapter 8 and verse 12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but I will have the light of life. Will have the light of life. John chapter 1 and verse 5, continuing on through the gospel of John. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Would you commit that to memory this week? This would be a good practical practice for us. Memorize that verse, John chapter 1 and verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Darkness is literally the absence of, of light. Darkness is nothing. There is no substance to darkness. It can feel so thick and so heavy and so hopeless and weigh down so heavy on us 
But in fact, darkness is nothing at all. It's just the absence of light. Just like evil is the absence of good, just like sin is the absence of God, darkness is the absence of light. You can't fight darkness with more darkness. You have to expose the darkness with light. You know, darkness is symbolic of misery, grief, hopelessness. It's this feeling that the future holds little promise, that the future holds no hope of achieving our goals. Darkness is obscurity. It's a block. It's an ignorance. It's blinding. We can't see a future. We can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But the darkness cannot overcome the light. You saw this week as well as I did all of the candles that have been lit. Even this morning as I was driving to the church facility, there are candles shining in windows in the dark of the night. You maybe saw the stars this week. You saw the power of the sunshine and that beautiful sunset. When I look out my window, it sets right over Portapique and the beautiful colors of the sky that come from the sun. Darkness never overcomes the light. The language is literally to grasp the light, to hold on to it, to squeeze it, to struggle it, to smother it. The darkness will never grasp the light. The light pierces through the darkness and exposes the darkness. Do you realize the first thing that God called good in the account of creation was light? The moment God made light, he said, it is good. The first day of creation, God created light to counter the darkness. Look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. The first time God says good in the copy of scripture. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. God initiated light. He introduced light to counter the darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. And God said that light is good. God created the light. You know, in the same manner, God looked into our world, the darkness of humanity, the evil that resides even here in our communities today. God saw the formless void of humanity and the struggle of darkness that we're all in. And into that darkness, he spoke the light. 2,000 years ago, into a dark world, on a dark night, in a dark stable, the light of the world was born. And that star shone to show the world that the light was here. Jesus has come. And into our darkness, no matter how dark this day is, the good shepherd will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death into the land of the living. And we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Jesus is the light of the world. And he was spoken into the darkness as God's word made flesh. Jesus stepped into our darkness and brought us into the light. Praise God. You know, in heaven, Jesus will forever be our light. You can look at Revelation chapter 21 and verse 23. And the city has no need of sun, no need of moon, 
No need of lamps, no need of flashlights, no need of torches, because the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb, the Lamb of God, the light of the world. Jesus Christ is the light. You know, in this time of so much devastating and compounding loss, it just feels like it's all getting mixed together in one dark cloud. Don't lose sight of the light. Don't lose a handle on the fact that the light is still shining in darkness. Maybe you've taken a plane ride on a dark day. And as that plane flies through the wind and through the rain and it rises higher and higher in elevation, it pops through those dark clouds. And what's above the clouds? The light is always shining above those clouds. The silver lining. The sun never goes away, though the darkness of the cloud and the night may hide it. In the midst of this darkness, we recognize our need for the light. That's what the darkness does. You know, pain yells at us. Pain grabs our attention. Grief forces us to focus on what's important in life. And it's in the darkness that we see our need for the light. I want to read a few verses for you because God's word is powerful. And all that we have to say today is God's word. There's nothing else that we can say. So I want to read Matthew 4 and verse 16. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in a region of a shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Acts 26 and verse 18. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness and to light. From the power of Satan to God. And they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among all those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. For at one time we were darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Romans 13, 12. Look at this picture. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. You know, I've heard it said that the night is darkest before the dawn. There is always a dawn coming. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, the kingdom of light, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Look, if you're in a dark place today, and there are so many people in our community who are, in fact, in a dark place, my prayer is that you would see the light. Jesus is the light of the world. Someone said, when you're a child, it's normal to be scared of the dark. My children both have nightlights. Maybe you had a nightlight. But the real tragedy is when men are scared to stand in the light. And I understand that. The light exposes us. The light causes us to admit all the things that are inconsistent in our life. The evil that might be in our own hearts. 
But I pray that the light would shine ever brighter in your life today. You would see that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the hope. He is the life. You know, it's when we admit our brokenness and our pain, the inconsistencies and the sin that's in our own life, that God will meet us there. And the light of Jesus Christ will shine into that dark place. And he will bring us to the light. There is light that shines into darkness, and then there are those who carry the light into dark places. Church family, I want to speak directly to you with some of these next thoughts and comments. Would you join me in John chapter 1 and verse 6? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Here's a truth that I need to hear. And here's a truth that you need to hear, church family. You are not the light. I am not the light. I am not going to be your hope, just like you're not going to be my hope. You can't carry my grief just as I can't carry your grief. Because we're human. We're going to fail each other. We're human, but Jesus is the light of the world. The light of hope doesn't rest in our excellence, in our strength, in our performance, in our perfectionism. The light of the world rests in who Jesus is. We're just bearing witness to the light. We're just pointing people to the light. Maybe you need to hear this before you crush under the pressure. You can't relieve or fix the grief that our community, that we are experiencing this week. It's not on your shoulders to do so, and the weight will crush you. You'll be hopeless on your own to fight against the hopelessness. You can't carry it. We're just messengers. We're voices crying in the dark and barren places. Jesus is here. The light of the world has come. Just like John, a voice crying in the wilderness. Jesus has come. He's here. The light of the world is shining into this darkness. John chapter 1 and verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. I wanted to think about how I could illustrate this point. So I thought I would admit to you today that I am a particular person, which means I struggle with a lot of pet peeves, but I will work at getting over that. One of my pet peeves, maybe it's your pet peeve too, have you ever been at a campfire or you've been camping? Maybe it's early morning and your mom is waking you up so you don't miss the school bus, which hasn't happened in the last month, but you can think back to a time like that, and the light switch gets flicked on in the dark of the early morning in your bedroom. Or maybe you're camping and somebody flicks on that flashlight and shines it right in your eyes. It's disorienting, isn't it? I mean, it blinds you for a second. Your eyes are so accustomed to the darkness of the night, when that light shines on them, it's blinding. You can't see. It's disorienting. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're looking at. I think of Saul when he was going to persecute more Christians and he was stopped on the road to Damascus and this bright light shone and that light was Jesus Christ. It blinded him for three days. And that's what it took for Paul 
to turn his faith to Jesus Christ. Church family, can I encourage you with this? There are going to be so many conversations about the big questions in life. There are going to be people asking tough questions that we don't have the perfect answer to. Why did this happen? Where is God? Why would God let this happen? How could this be part of the plan? We don't understand. Can I just encourage you? You're not going to answer everybody's questions in one conversation. That's not going to happen. You're not going to force somebody to trust Jesus Christ through one conversation. You're not going to convert somebody to the faith with one conversation. Our eyes need time to adjust to the light. You've stepped out of a dark house into a bright, sunshine-filled day, and you've had to squint into the light. Your pupils have to adjust to allow in less light and less light until you can get an image of what you're looking at and be able to understand and discern. The same goes with faith. Think about how many conversations you had to have before you came to Jesus. How many sermons, how many messages, how much thought, how much prayer, how much reading before you were able to discern the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Don't think you're going to force people into understanding in one conversation. You know, we've had so much love and prayers and thoughts and condolences come in from across the country. We've had many grief counselors and therapists reach out, offering their help, offering us to refer people to them for their professional Christian advice. I've had four conversations with therapists and grief counselors this past week. I've never had that many conversations with grief counselors in my life. But let me tell you, it was so helpful for me. It was helpful for us as a leadership team to know how to respond and how to support our community in this time, what best course of action there might be. Maybe you've never spoken to somebody about the pain and the darkness that's in your heart. Maybe for some reason you might think it would be cowardly. Maybe you think it would show a sign of weakness if you had to reach out and get help and talk to somebody about your struggle. But let me tell you, it takes more courage to open up about the grief and the pain that you are experiencing even now in this trauma than it does to stay quiet. And to talk it through is so beneficial for the healing process. You need to get your emotions out there. You need to have somebody to talk to. If not a professional, I would encourage you, get a grief buddy. Get somebody who can check in with you on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, checking in together, going forward, and expressing your thoughts, your emotions, your pain. But let me tell you what one of those therapists said to me this past week. She said, an indicator of success in the counseling process is whether or not you form a relationship over time with the individual. If you're able to sit over consistent periods of time, hear them out, build a relationship of trust, that's an indicator of the success of counseling. You know, I think about Job when he was facing all of his struggles, all of his trials, all of the compounding loss. One servant came, you've lost all this. Another servant came, you've lost all this. He lost everything. And he's sitting and weeping and mourning in ashes and sackcloth. And he had some friends. 
they didn't do all the right things, but one of the good things that they did was they sat with him in his pain in silence for days. And they were just there with him for an extended period of time, not trying to fix him, not trying to answer all of his questions, just there with him. I would encourage you, this is a consistent relationship over time. Our lifestyle needs to be one of shining the light in the form of a lifestyle, not a light switch. If you're flashing the light into people's eyes, hoping that they will respond immediately in the moment, that's not how it's going to happen. You need to have a consistent relationship over time. Sit with people in their pain. I think of John who was with Jesus' mother Mary for the last 15 years of her life and supporting her through that loss of her son. We've had so much great advice and love and support across the nation. I want to encourage you, if, if you are a light carrier today, make that your lifestyle. Don't think it's going to be a light switch or a strobe light that's going to grab people's attention, but it needs to be a gradual light that our eyes can adjust to. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I think of our church facility up here on this hill. We want to be a beacon of light, a beacon of hope for the world, for the community. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand. It gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our eyes need time to adjust. and We need to be prepared to be here for the long haul, for our community. For us who are grieving, we need to sit with people in their pain. Not try and fix everything, but we need to sit and listen and be there over a course of time. John chapter 1 verse 12. But to all who did receive, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We go back to the start. Rebirth, new birth. We're invited back to where we started. Children of God, in a beautiful garden, not separated from God, but in the family of God, spending time and intimacy with God. No separation, no evil, no darkness, no tragedy no death. We're invited back to the start. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, that where he is, there we may be also in relationship with him, together with him. The Bible says he will wipe away all tears from every eye. Death will be no more. Neither will there be mourning or suffering or pain or crying anymore, for the former things have passed away. Jesus says, take heart. In this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Darkness will never overcome the light. How do we let the light shine in? I want to direct you back to verse 12. We need to receive, we need to believe, and God will give. 
We need to believe in the goodness of God. We need to believe that Jesus was so good that he was perfect, as the Bible says, that he was the only one that could be the substitutionary sacrifice to pay for the darkness and the evil in this world. He is the light of the world. God will judge evil. God will judge the evil of this past week. God will judge all evil on the earth. The punishment for sin is death, and Jesus died that death on the cross. But he didn't remain dead. He rose again on the third day from the grave, sealing that payment for our sin, that redemption price to bring us back into the family of God, to give us life, to give us future, to give us a hope. And God offers us that gift today. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't be good enough. God invites us to simply receive it from him. The Bible says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You'll have a home in heaven. You'll have a family with God. You'll have a hope, a purpose, a future. You will have light in your life in the midst of all of this darkness. So Father, I pray that your light would shine ever brighter. God, in these dark days, we claim the promise that the darkness will never overcome the light. God, we thank you that your word tells us the end of the story, that good ultimately triumphs over evil. The devil's doing all he can in this time here on this earth, but ultimately you will have the victory and you will judge evil and sin and death. We thank you that you are the God of all comfort, but that you are also a righteous and good judge who must punish evil. God, we pray that evil would be punished today. God, we pray for your forgiveness and your restoration. God, thank you for your light that shines into dark places. God, thank you for Jesus Christ that he is the light of the world that shines into our darkness to lead us to the light. Thank you that you have promised that we will see the land of the living and experience your goodness. And it's through Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. Father, if there are those who are listening today who are facing loss and tragedy and darkness in this time, God, I pray that they would turn to you that they would see the light of your son and the hope and the life that only comes from him. All other ground is sinking sand and we've been feeling the rug pulled out from under our feet. But God, we pray that our foundation would be the rock of Jesus Christ, which will never be moved. We thank you that you are never changing, never ceasing, that you always and forever will show us love and nothing can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that there would be people today who would make the decision to trust you, that out of the darkness they would call out to the light and you would save them from dark despair. God, I pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you join me, church family, as we close in a song today?
There's nothing stronger, there's nothing higher, there's nothing greater than the name of Jesus, and all the honor, and all the power, and all the glory to the name of Jesus. There's nothing stronger, there's nothing higher, there's nothing 